Hello and welcome back to World Music Matters after a lengthy summer break. Thanks for joining me for some new or sometimes not so new sounds, but which often have a story to them. And this week's music has, I think, a great story. This tune is by an Ethiopian quartet called Admas. It was originally recorded in the early 80s in Washington, D.C. on the album Sons of Ethiopia. The seven tracks are basically instrumental versions of popular Ethiopian songs from the so-called golden era of the 60s and early 70s. And the album's just been reissued by Fredericksburg Records on vinyl and CD. Why re-release it some 36 years later, you may ask? Well, there were very few copies issued at the time, and yet it's a really inventive album that deserves to find new ears. The band rearranged traditional Ethiopian melodies using the synthesizers, the Moog keyboards, drum machines and electric guitars, which were all the rage in the States in the 80s. So it's a modern sound, but its roots run deep. Like so many Ethiopian expats in the U.S. at the time, the four young members of Admas had gone there to escape the so-called Derg, the military junta that deposed Emperor Haile Selassie in 1974. In the following decade, a lot of blood was shed, and the only music that was made was in praise of the Marxist regime. Once in the States, the four young men found a sense of freedom and hedonism, which they brought to the album. I caught up with the keyboard player, Tewodros or Teddy Aklilu, and bass player, Henok Temesgen, who are both now back in Addis, to find out more about the story behind their recording. Lilou was just 15 when he left Addis in 1977, just before the worst of the so-called Red Terror began. 77, there was this thing called the White Terror, where the opposition to the government started killing government people. And then government people retaliated, they call it Red Terror. And kids killed each other as a result. And that was the most painful moment for me. And... I went to America in 77 and closed my ears, basically, for the next two, three years. He closed his ears to the horror, but opened them to all the different kinds of music around. When his school friend, Temesgen, joined him three years later, in 1980, they began playing together. It was a very uh, dark time. But uh, like Teddy said, we found our own cocoon, our own friends during that time. We hung out with our friends and still played in each other's house, jamming. So we tried to create our own group and our own happy times. began playing in a band called Gasha and took up residency at a lively Ethiopian restaurant called The Red Sea. They'd often play instrumentals to open for better-known acts like Astera Wiki. They had fun but didn't exactly bring the house down. We played at the beginning before singers come to warm up the crowd, but instrumentals are really not very popular in terms of performing live. So we were playing what we were not allowed 
to do a lot of, in a way. Yeah, I, re I remember when some concerts usually play like a couple of instrumental music before the singer comes on stage. And while we're playing those music, some people will approach the bandstand and say, when is the music going to start? They'll ask us that's why we're playing. That was funny. <laughs> while they enjoyed traditional Ethiopian music, they immersed themselves in the sounds of their new home in Washington with its go-go funk, jazz, high-life, samba and roots reggae. The music was new, a lot of it, samba. We heard samba in their parties and I really liked it. We used to like Brazilian jazz music. Azimuth was a very popular band in our day. It's a Brazilian uh, like fusion jazz, jazz, band. jazz band. We used to listen to the Crusaders, Spirogera, groups like that. I guess you get to hear a lot more of what the world has to offer. And I guess it's very natural when you hear something that you want to experiment with it. And I think that's what happened. Joined by drummer Youssef Tesfaye and multi-instrumentalist Abigail Shiuta, the musicians expressed this more experimental side under a new name, Admas. Gashiuta, who was really into synthesizers and electronic music, got hold of a four-track recorder. Nabagaz always liked to, you know, work with computers or stuff like that, so he had a very basic four-track recorder, and he started toying with it, and he said it would be nice to record something, and then we chose some Ethiopian songs, and then we played them instrumentally and we decided to record it, and then we decided to see how people would react to it. They put in their own money, recorded the seven-track Sons of Ethiopia, and had a thousand copies pressed. A lot of the songs that we chose for the album are from the golden era or from the good old days, Ethiopian music from happier times. Yes. We wanted people at least to, to hear yeah. songs that they know. Yeah. So we rearranged them and worked them in a different way. Yeah. And, but they're all songs uh, that a lot of Ethiopians know from way back, popular songs. Yeah. The experimentation was not in melodies. It was in the harmonization and rhythm. from the album is Wudunate. Uh, Unless I'm mistaken, uh, it was written by Daniel Johannes. Yeah. It was a sort of an obscure choice, but... It was, it was done in Germany. It was done in Germany. A lot of people don't know much about it, yeah. but it got some play. But uh, it's popular enough, and also the melody I really liked. And we did a different version, reggae-ish uh, kind of version of that song. That's one of my favorite songs.
Aklilu's personal favorite is Tezani Yetintu. It's a blues kind of uh, melancholic feeling song. Uh, it's a drawn out song. It's a popular song, but we played it in halftime. So for a lot of people, the melody would be very slow. But the song had a natural blues progression, so we played it like a real melancholic blues song. money out of the recording at the time? Not at all. We paid off our debts. Yeah, we paid the money to press the album. It covered that one. That's, that's yeah. about it. Our business sense was terrible. It still is. The men moved on, did other things, went their separate ways and forgot about the album. Then decades later, out of the blue, Aklilu was contacted by Andreas Vingard, founder of New York-based Fredericksburg Records. Vingard had found an old scratched copy of Sons of Ethiopia, loved it and wanted to reissue it. The musicians were, to say the least, a bit surprised. We've forgotten about the album and we've all moved on and did many other things individually. And then Andreas, all of a sudden, out of the blue, called Tedros, I think. He's the, yes. You're the first person who yeah. told the same. Yeah, I think he found a scratched version in a garage sale and he was a collector of different kinds of music Ethiopian music was one of them and he found this album and it was very scratched up he said and he said he went on eBay and he found it for $400 and that made him realize that this was a project worth doing again like we didn't know but a lot of people have been collecting it and had liked it. Yeah, it was being sold for a lot of money on eBay. We found out later. Somebody called it a cult, uh, what is it called? Cult, cult following. Cult, like we didn't know about this. When you listened again to this music, what do you think of it yourselves now? I'm surprised, to be honest, with the fact that I got this kind of reaction. It was very nice stuff. I enjoyed it. We did it, and it's great music. But uh, we did it a long time ago, and we forgot about it. But I knew it had an impact on musicians here in Ethiopia because there is a young guitar player that we play with here in Ethiopia. He told me when he first heard the music almost 30 years ago, he, he had goosebumps and it became a big influence for him and for my younger brother who is also a professional bass player and when they heard it a lot of the musicians they liked it so i hear that from time to time and i heard the album from time to time i listen to it once in a while you know i have a copy 
So I knew it had a, a big impact on musicians and some people here in Ethiopia, but I didn't think uh, people outside of the Ethiopian community will know about it. That's uh, the way I felt. Yeah. I heard that a music teacher at St. Joseph's, where we went, was using the album to teach music, like Binyam. Binyam, yeah. He's the uh, one who introduced them. Yeah, he, he basically broke down the songs and he was teaching music using it. So some young people learned music with that. That was one of the things they exercised on. So stuff like that. But it hasn't been heard very much, even within Ethiopia. Yeah. It will be a surprise for this generation, I think. album is called Astawesa Leu, the only non-instrumental piece featuring guest vocals by Simeon Beyen, who occasionally performed with the band live. Based on the call and response genre, Beyen says something like, I remember in Amharic, while the band reply, we will never forget. It's a subtle reference to the dark years of the Derg, which left such a mark on the many Ethiopians who lost friends and family in the White and then Red Revolution. But Aklilu and Temes say most of the album is the expression of a generation who just escaped. I think the music that you hear on the album is our experience in America, basically. It was more hopeful than sad. And also our personalities, I think, comes through the music. Optimistic, hopeful, we are not very yeah. depressed kind of people. We were not damaged by the revolution. We escaped. We were lucky. It's a matter of luck, really because there was nobody who was not affected somehow. A yeah. lot of traumatized people, a little older than us. Uh, we escaped it, I think, by one or two years. Yes, I think. Our age group. If somebody who's two years older than me now, would probably they have a much different experience of the revolution. And we were lucky, I think, and the album might reflect that age group that just escaped. was Teddy Akelu and Henek Temizgen from the band Admas. Their album Sons of Ethiopia is out on Fredericksburg Records. That's all for now. From me, Alison Hurd, thanks for listening to World Music Matters. And if you like the show, why not subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye.